0: back to the civil rights movement, and it was something that they were moving towards. In a time where everything was massively polarizing in every sphere of life, the Christian leaders of the civil rights movement, they dreamed of a reconciled community of diverse people from all walks of life. That's what they were pushing towards. They was going like that. and to me, that's, that's a vision of the kingdom of God. Eventually, 25 character traits were developed to describe how this community of people would live together in the tensions of a culture that is fighting to separate them. We took those 25 traits and we condensed them into an 11-week series to hit on each and every single one of those themes because this is what we want to contextualize. Some of those things are things that we're living into that already that God is calling us to live into with greater maturity, and other things God is like, "Yo, you need to step into that there too, right? You know." And and He is working inside of us that so each we will like, beloved community is beloved community is today i'm saying the beloved community is a community that values both truth and grace a community that values both grace and truth grace and truth i want to start off with um this first slide right here to reading it's real nice well and this side, what you see here is not. We had a double whiz. Just when you thought you was doing real fine, it's killing it, man. Technology. Boom. You know what? Yeah, well, that didn't go good. We'll get our technology right. It ain't good. Bye-bye, Well, <laughs> uh, That's what I'm talking about. Spoiler alert, I know, right? Boom. Let's go. All right. I want to start off with First John. Let's let's catch up. Make up some speed. I want to just start off with First John, verse one and fourteen. First John, as we talk about truth and grace. First John, verse one through fourteen. It says, "And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and." truth full of grace and truth you see the glory of god is filled with grace and truth filled with grace and truth that's the the content of it so as a people who are intentionally created to reflect his glory we are meant to reflect his grace and we are meant to reflect his truth is he being a grace and truth people is just being a jesus people that's what it is. is what it means to be a Jesus people. You can walk with grace and truth. Because, because if, if he is filled with grace and truth, and his spirit is living and working inside of us, that means we are filled with grace and truth as well. Which also means if we're not walking in grace and truth at some level we're not being submitted to his spirit. At some level. This morning, I want to talk about the tensions and wisdom of walking in grace and truth. The tensions and the wisdom of it. First, let me make sure we're all on the same page. What I mean by grace, what I mean by, by truth. Make sure we're, we're thinking up. So we'll start with truth. Truth is big. The truth of God is big. So I want to make sure we are aligned with where I'm going at with this. You see, in Romans 1 and 18, it says, sin suppresses the true reality of things, truth, the constant practice of sin, the systems of sin all around us suppress the true reality of how God has created things to function and to be all the time. So part of walking in truth is being honest about the true reality and impact of sin and, and brokenness in particular situations. It's about, it's about being honest about it. And like I need to tell you this truth right here. Being honest about the impact of sin reminds us of how far we have strayed from God and how much we desperately need him. And if you don't tell the truth, people don't get to know. I, I need him. I need to show you how far away you are. It connects back to the creation narrative. With God, he, he warns them what would happen if they reject his wisdom. He warns them. He's honest with them about the fact that if you reject my wisdom, this will lead to death. being truthful with them. And they ignore his warning. So he pops out on the scene. He has to have a hard conversation with them. A hard conversation with them. We had to share some hard truth. Because sin had lied to them, suppressing truth. Where sin implied rejecting God's wisdom would lead to something better, the truth is it would lead to something worse. Much, much worse. And God has to now tell them the hard truth about the implications of that something worse. Now he has to talk to them about the death he warned them about earlier because their sin just gave birth to it. Now I've got to tell you about what it's going to look like because it is a death that manifests in many different ways, shapes, sizes, all the way into your final breath. i got to tell you about it. Oh, this thing that you've done here, what has it, happened now because of what you've done is the truth. It's caused the separation inside of our relationship, so I'm going to have to ask you to leave. Here's the truth. It's caused tensions amongst humanity. It won't do that. It talks about tensions. Man, woman, and child are mentioned there. That's everybody. Wow, yeah. There will be thorns and thistles. Now, some people are like, why are you being so harsh, God? They're like, I'm telling you the truth. I need you to know what's going to happen here. I warned you about this. This is the reality of things. See, when we are honest with each other, about the impact of our brokenness on one another, we're actually affirming how far-reaching the truth that God spoke in the garden actually is. That's what we're doing. We're, we're revealing how the truth articulated in the garden is contextualized in that particular moment. Here go the thorns and the thistles. Here, here, here is the tensions with Miss Humanity. Here is the side effect of our distance from God, the tensions that we have with one another. How far reaching that truth he spoke, right here, right now. I'm gonna try this again. Look at that. You see that? Now, this is a side note. If one person can have faith, what happens if all of y'all had faith like hers? We would never have any issues with our technology, but I'm praying, we're praying, we're getting there. No? Okay, I'm gonna keep believing that. As the people of God, on the mission of God, we appeal to a fallen world where we are constantly called to have challenging conversations that point people to truth ask the people of god on mission like we're called to have some challenging conversations and that the people of god that's us to speak that truth in love grace i want us to make sure we understand i'm just talking about truth now let me talk about grace um, in ephesians 3 7-8 paul he refers to the gifts of god as gifts of grace. He describes the gifts of God as works of grace because they were the ways God was working good things through him despite his brokenness, despite his sin. He didn't earn it, he didn't deserve it. As a matter of fact, he would consider himself the least of all saints. So instead, whatever good works you see in him are evidences of his grace. Grace, grace acknowledges the goodness of God working in and through a person despite their brokenness and sin. Because he is good. It acknowledges the goodness of God and the world that is far from God. I can say the world is far from God and I can say I see him in the midst. It affirms good and true things that the amidst brokenness. It acknowledges the light of Christ that has not been overcome by darkness. This understanding shapes how we respond to people, how we respond to one another, because people are created in the image and likeness of the God who responded to us with grace. Not only that, we are created inside of his image and likeness ourselves. So we intentionally act like him and pursue people with. All right. All right, I'll take that. One more. One more person got it. Grace. Well, we'll keep going on this. All right, we got a whole sermon for it. All right. You see, where truth says, this is how far we have strayed from God, grace says, This is how close God has come to us. Both of those realities are true. And we are called to be a people that be a witness and testify to both of these realities. Sometimes in the process, we're going to need to lean into more truth. Other times we're going to need to lean into more grace, but the Holy Spirit will show. That being said, I believe Scripture reveals a a, a general pattern of wisdom and how we apply grace and truth when navigating these challenging conversations. I want to look at two sections of Scripture where, where both Jesus and Paul are having challenging conversations with the church. You know, these two examples follow the same structure of many other times. both Jesus and Paul are having challenging conversations about truth with the church, implying that it was a common practice. So the two verses I want to spend some time looking at is First Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 through 31, and Revelation chapter 2, verses one through seven, OK? 1 Corinthians 1, 3-31, turn your Bible over there because I'm not going to put the verses on the screen. But I want to read through that. I want to go through that first. Again, what we're looking at here is the structure of it. That's what I want to look at, the structure, how it's laid out. I'm not doing a lesson on these. I'm just want to look at the structure. Because I think there's things to learn in the wisdom of the structure. So first, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 3-31, I want to look at verses 3-9. through now Paul he's writing to them and a lot of Paul's writings is like yo there's something I got I got a I got a challenge there's a challenging thing I need to need to do we need to talk about some stuff He enters in starting at verse 3 He says Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus, that in every way, you are enriched in him, in all speech, and all knowledge, even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you, so that you are not lacking in any gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ. This is where he enters into the conversation. He enters in proclaiming grace. Let me enter in with grace. I'm going to proclaim grace for the start. Let me push that grace even further. Peace. Peace. In the spirit of Grace. Grace is expressed by showing how thankful he is for them. Oh, and this wasn't just a general thankful. He starts to identify specific things he's thankful for. One of those things he knows that God has bestowed his grace upon him. I'm so thankful because I know this. God has poured his grace out all over you. Hallelujah. He's thankful. He affirms that they have been enriched in speech and knowledge. Like, listen, and I know he poured his grace down on you. And listen, y'all got some of the best preachers over there. I mean, y'all be breaking it down, and y'all like, y'all know the word of God. Y'all know this. His, his spirit, he's poured it out on you. I know y'all know that over there. He affirms that they have a good testimony in Christ as believers oh i'm not questioning your salvation i'm not questioning whether or not you believe as a matter of fact i've heard the testimony of your salvation i know that you guys got it in with jesus he's saying all these things yeah, you guys aren't lacking anything i don't even coming at y'all like that like y'all lacking anything y'all good y'all not lacking anything as a matter of fact God will sustain you. I know this all the way to the end. And, and, I'm, and I'm not here to heap any type of guilt on you. You are guiltless. And God has been faithful to you. He is faithful to you. All of those with evidences of God's grace. Let's continue because he has to talk to them about some stuff. Verses 10 through 17. I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree and that there be no division among you, but that you be united in the same mind and same judgment. For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there is quarreling among you. My brothers, what I mean is that each of One of you says, I follow Paul, or I follow Apollos," or I follow Cephas, or I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you. Well, except Crispus and Gaius. So that no one may say that you were baptized in my name. Well, I did baptize also the household of Stephanas. Beyond that, I don't know whether I baptized anyone else, but for Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel and not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of his power. He goes into these hard truths. He's addressing the challenging issues of division within the church. He says, "Listen, listen, listen. I already told y'all I'm not questioning whether or not y'all believe. I'm not. I, I'm not questioning whether or not y'all filled with all the gifts and the spirit and everything else. I'm not questioning those things. Thus, as I enter in and I and I challenge you on this issue of division, I'm going to call you to agree because you are not lacking anything. I know those things." You're not lacking anything. The same God that I have is the same God that you have. So start building these camps of division. And he starts talking about how personally he grieved he is. And I love that point right there because then he gets off from like, I'm glad I ain't baptized nobody. Well, there's that one dude. And that whole other person's household. But I don't even know how many people are baptized, but we ain't here for that. <laughs> I just love that point right there and stuff, you know. He, he, I'm just a person. And like, I'm the end. As a matter of fact, hey, listen, let's get to the point of the message. And this stuff being like he just moved things back around. Turn to verses 18 to 31. Then he continues to talk to them. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the discernment of the discerning. I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since the wisdom of the world, the world did not know God through wisdom. It pleased God through the folly of what was preached to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom. but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles but to those who are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than man, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many of you were powerful. Not many of you were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in his world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in his world, even things that are not to bring to nothing things at all, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that as it is written, let no one who boasts, let the one who boasts, in the Lord get the heart of verses 18 to 31 the heart of it he returns to the theme of grace he starts talking about this incredible power working inside of them working inside of them why is that returning to the theme of grace he's talking about this ancient wisdom that they have been given that's greater than the wisdom of the world all the other stuff you see going on, he chose you. He gave it to you. They were given this wisdom despite their, despite their social standing. They was given it despite the fact that it was viewed as lowly. They would be considered foolish according to the worldly standards. They was low and they were despised, but they are victors in Christ because of his grace. And the very fact that the wisdom of God is resting in the undeserving them is a testimony to that grace. He returns back to that grace because I know the wisdom of God is in you and it's the greatest wisdom out there. Look at Revelation. Turn turn your book to that Revelation spot. Revelation 2, 1 through 7. Showing the structure, we will wrap up. In Revelations, he's confronting the churches. This is Jesus now. Starting at verse 1, let's look at verses 1 through 3. These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his hand, right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your deeds, your hard work, your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. It's about to challenge them, but he entered in again with grace. I acknowledge and I affirm that you have done much for the kingdom. I'm not here to knock any of that. I acknowledge and affirm that you put in some work, you put in some hard work. Uh, I'm I'm gonna start off just talking about that. I acknowledge and affirm that you have persevered for so long. I affirm the fact that that, that you got a low tolerance for wickedness, I I, I do too. I know, I know y'all tested the authenticity of those claiming to represent me. I know you did that. I acknowledge that you have endured hardships for me and that you haven't grown weary. I'm not trying to take away from any of those. As a matter of fact, I want to start with those. Look at verses 4 and 5. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. Now he transitions into that hard truth that they need to hear though. Though you have done all these good things, all that good stuff, like a man you've been at it, there has been a shift in your heart. Some things have changed. The love that fueled these actions at first has shifted. You continue to do the same thing, but the reasons changed. The love has changed. you started to love other things. It's a different love, it's idolatry, and it's tainted all the work now. Everything that you're continuing to do. I need you to consider how far you have strayed from the love you had at first. I need you to. I need you to repent. I need you to return. And if you're not going to shine light in dark places that I put you to shine light, in dark places because you want to act like the dark places then i'm just going to unplug the lamp don't make any sense go back to verses six and seven but you have this in your favor you hate the practices of the Nicolaitans, which i also hate whoever has ears let them hear what the spirit is saying to the churches to the one who is victorious i will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God, He returns back to grace. And that bad. Okay. <laughs> he returns back to grace, but I know you hate some of the same things I hate. I know that. I know where that comes from. And he knows there are people there who have ears to hear. So he speaks to them. You who have ears to hear. I need you to hear what the Spirit is saying. I know you're there. You will be victorious and welcome into paradise. He returns back to grace. All right, all right. Let me make these observations. The wisdom, hold on, hold on, hold on. Out uh, of the wisdom of the gospel, let's grace set the tone for the challenging conversation. Both conversations start and end with grace. Both of them start and end with grace. Grace becomes grace, Grace. Grace creates a safe and affirming space for the challenging conversation to happen. Grace becomes the road that truth travels on. If truth is the house, then, then grace is the doorway that people enter in and launch out from. If the challenging conversation is the highway, then grace functions like the on and off ramps, vital to the conversation. Here's the next obo- observation I wanna make. The passages in 1 Corinthians gave 29 verses to grace, seven verses to truth. The passage in Revelation, Revelation 2 gave Five verses the grace, two verses the truth. And I went back and looked at all the other ones, and that was the typical pattern. Typical, not in all cases, but typical. What's the observation? They, they, they spend more time on the grace than the challenging truth. What does that mean? Why? Why? I believe it's a reflection of how important the truth is. How important when people give, when, when we give people truth, we're attempting to plant a powerful seed in the soil of their hearts that we hope will mature and bear fruit. We hope it will mature and bear fruit. And if you look at Luke 8, verses four through eight, got gotta give me a couple of minutes. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get caught up. We're gonna finish. If you look at t- Luke chapter eight, verses four through eight, tells a story about a farmer sowing seed. And the ones that fell on rocky, thorny ground died along with the ones that fell on the path. But the ones that fell on good soil, they grew. They flourish. You see, the process of preparing the soil to receive seed is a longer process than the scattering and placing of the seed itself. It means much. They tilled the soil. They water the soil. They make sure there are good minerals in the soil. And they will wait for the right season to even plant in the soil, like grooves in the soil, then toss the seed. Then come back to the soil and cover it with the soil, cover the seeds with the soil. All because they want the seed to grow. All that soil work is like the work of grace, preparing the soil of our hearts to receive the seeds of God's truth. That's why we value it. Grace creates an atmosphere for truth to grow and to blossom. That being said, the lack of grace doesn't negate our need to respond to truth. I want to make sure I don't miss that point right there. Right? Because you responding to truth is a thing between you and God. Well, God why. a You can't say like, yo, there was a train coming. I didn't like the way they said it, so I stood there. Okay. Let me hit these three points real quick. Where I want to drive these things at today. Make sure we apply the wisdom of grace and truth when navigating challenging conversations of our own hearts. I want to start there of our own hearts. In 1 John 3 19 through 21, it says, By this we should know that we are, that we are of the truth and we. Re- and reassure our hearts before him. For whenever our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our heart. And and he knows everything. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. Sometimes the hardest people to have grace for is ourselves. So I want to give you some homework. I want you during this week to identify the works of grace in your life. I want you to write it down. Well, what are some ways that I see God coming in to me? What are some ways that, that God even would work in and through me despite jacked up old me? Write those things down. Here's the truth, though, that I want you to grapple with. Let the gospel expose lies that you have accepted as truth. Because some of us have accepted some lies as truth, and we keep getting frustrated because we have not shifted to some truth that we need to shift to. That being said, what is some challenging truth that God may be calling you to live into? Think about that. Acknowledge the conflict and pain that your sin has caused somebody else. That's part of that truth. So that we can start a process of reconciliation. And then pray. Pray that the Lord will make You, the type of person that can receive challenging truth humbly. Next point. Apply the wisdom of grace and truth when navigating challenging conversations in the family of God. We have to have these conversations amongst the family of God. We have to have these conversations. Grace is not just about being nice and friendly so that you can get to the point that you want to make. Oh, let me just be nice. I just want to get to this. That's not what it's about. Grace acknowledges I see you, not just your sin. There is more to the person that you are engaging than the truth issue you are confronting. So you want to enter in with that. Uh, you want to, uh, to not acknowledge this. is the misaspects of the person that you're engaging. But here's the truth. Telling the truth isn't just about getting things off your chest. I just had to tell the truth. When you realize, I just want to offload. No, no, no. Telling the truth acknowledges conflict and pain inside the family with a purpose. Why? In order to work through the situation. It's going somewhere. The purpose of truth is to realign our hearts together with God. Here's my last point. Apply the wisdom of grace and truth when navigating the challenging conversations of culture. This is something I don't think we do well as the church at large. Again, because the mission of God, we are constantly called to have challenging conversations that point people to truth. The problem is we don't initiate the conversation and get out of the conversation and lead the conversation, give them gospel context as, as, as much as we should. You see, grace acknowledges the beauty of God amid the brokenness of culture, working through broken people. Grace acknowledges the same God who cried out through Martin Luther King, also cried out through Malcolm X, Bob Marley, Muhammad Gandhi, all on the same issues that grieve his heart. Because he can use whoever he want. Truth, truth acknowledges the conflict and pain of others caused by cultural and systemic sin, in order to work through the difficult situations. We're going somewhere with it. It also confesses how the church has been a part of that, from time to time. We don't want to hide from that challenging truth. Now think about this challenging truth from Howard Thurman, he said this. I know this is too small to read. American Christianity has betrayed the religion of Jesus. Almost beyond redemption, churches have been established for the underprivileged, the weak, the poor, on a theory that they prefer to be among themselves. Churches have been established for the Chinese, the Japanese, the Korean, the Mexican, the Filipino, and the Italian and the Negro with the same theory in mind. The result is that in the one place in which normal free context might be most naturally established in which the relations of the individual to his God should take priority over conditions of class, race, power, status, wealth, or the like. This place is one of the cheap instruments for guaranteeing barriers. That's Jesus and the disinherited by Howard Thurman. You see, being honest about cultural brokenness and sin said, this is just, this is not the way that God had called culture to be. And as we close this up and wrap this up, there's a couple of things I want us to remember. For some of us, for some of us, walking in grace is more natural, but for some of us, it's a greater act of intentionality. For some of us, walking in truth is more natural, but for some of us, it's a greater act of intentionality. And God has called us to all depend on one another, to be one another's eyes and ears Hear these things and walk these things out. Understand what I'm laying out this morning is not a formula; it's a posture of heart. Okay, it's not a formula; it's a posture of heart. Let me make the altar call. This morning, here's the thing I want you to know and understand: truth has created a sin and a deep chasm between us and God. But like I said earlier, grace is that God has come close. If you are inside here this morning, and for some reason, truth is connecting a little bit more and you feel being drawn to God, that's His grace and I would love to pray with you over here. Well, probably you just struggle with truth or grace and you want someone to pray with you. I would love for you to meet us over here. Let's pray and then let's worship let's spend our time worshiping the god of creation let's worship together